This is the Money Made Better podcast by Libro Credit Union, helping you with the financial need to knows with your host, Lindsay Barnett. Welcome back to the Money Made Better podcast. Thank you so much again for being here. It's so wild to look back. This is episode six for us. And we've been having a lot of fun with it. We've been having some really good discussions and the feedback has been really good. So I just want to reiterate, I said this in the last episode, if you want to hear us talk about something or you have questions, head over to Libro.ca. There is a Money Made Better podcast tab under the Learn tab. You can submit questions there or comments. Feedback always welcomed. And uh, maybe we'll do an upcoming episode on something that you want to hear us talk about. I'm really excited today, whether you're an owner with Libro or not, there's been some changes. And I would say it started with COVID, um, but internally here, we've had kind of a changing of the guard. We have a new CEO, president, and head coach, and his name is Sean Good, and he is my guest today. Hi, Sean. Hey, Lindsay. Great to be here. Thanks Thank for having you. me on the show. Thank you for coming on. I'm excited to kind of pick your brain. The financial landscape is changing, undeniable. But before we get into that conversation, can you just give everybody listening a brief overview about you? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was born and raised uh, here in Southern Ontario in a rural uh, community. And and uh, I often say my inheritance was, you know, a work ethic, a commitment to community. And my, my wife and I, we've been married, uh, Jen and I have been married 27 years, three kids, 19 through 23. And uh, yeah, we love... Anything outdoors, frankly, uh, you know, fishing, hockey, a cheer for the Maple Leafs, also for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So two teams that haven't exactly done me proud here recently, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, our our uh, family is is all here in the area, and, and um, really excited to have found my way back home after about a decade working across the country, the last ten or eleven years, in the prairies and BC. Uh, this is just terrific to be back. It's exciting to hear you talk about your journey. And that was really quick. You talk about the last 10 to 12 years. Um, you don't become president and CEO of a credit union without having an extensive resume. But what is it about credit unions that keeps your passion going? Yeah, you know, first of all, I think healthy economies, healthy communities require a really healthy and robust financial services sector. So in Canada, we've been blessed with a really safe, secure, um, and healthy financial services sector for sure. But when financial institutions are structured and organized around, um, you know, profit and making money for shareholders, there are certain choices and trade-offs that you have to make along the way. And, and there's implications, right? So innovation or changes that introduce competition or, or might reduce profit margin will be resisted. There might be certain groups of customers that are underserved or, or really not valued because they don't help with that sort of underlying orientation. I think credit unions, uh, from my perspective, have something very, very cool to offer. Um, this values-based approach to banking. We don't have to make the trade-off and the choices between, you know, our our owners, our shareholders, and our customers, because they're the same. They're just the same people. And uh, for me, that's just super exciting. I think, um, you know, money invested with a credit union gets reinvested right back into communities. And 
that's in, in loans, of course, but also dividends, community investment. And so from a healthy community perspective, credit unions have so much to offer. And, you know, I think if you remember how credit unions started with a, a real need, access to credit. Here in Canada, that's why credit unions really got going. You know, certain communities or, or groups didn't have access. That's not the issue today anymore, but managing that credit, making sure that uh, people can save appropriately for life events, for retirement. I mean, these are real issues. So the need is, is still real. And, uh, you know, I'm excited from my perspective to see organizations like Libro that are here and invested in the long run, making sure the next generation of owners is set up for success and not having to make short-term um, decisions around what's the most profitable route. You're leading me into my next question, and you just said something so interesting about the next generation. I had read something, I want to say last year, maybe two years ago, about how millennials were the first generation in the history of humankind that were not going to make more money than their parents. They were going to carry more debt. It was going to be challenging for them, and I think that's a trend that we will continue to see Financial resilience is something that we talk a lot about internally within Libro. I want to know, what does that mean to you? Yeah, you know, language matters and, and terms matter and, and these things get thrown around. I, I think um, the overall well-being of individuals is made up of many components, one of which is financial well-being. And so I would say that's the umbrella for which I would define and within which I'd define financial resilience. So uh, a friend of mine, uh, Eloise Duncan, leads an organization called the Financial Resilience Institute in Canada. And, and I'd refer folks to that research. It's quite, it's quite insightful. But, you know, financial health being the ability to balance short-term uh, needs with also long-term financial needs and, and kind of managing that, that's, that's how um, healthy you are financially. The resilience is actually your ability to navigate surprises and, and events and unexpected things that come along. Can you, can you handle that? That's to the degree you are financially resilient. Um, overall, financial wellness is more about how you feel about it, mm -hmm. right? Um, this is not about income level or about size of your net worth. This is really about how you feel and how you can sleep at night and emotionally um, your perspective to your financial situation. And so wherever people are at and whatever values and, and um, goals that they might have is, is very different. But, but I think what is important is that we help people achieve the near-term ability to handle surprises, financial resilience, uh, and the longer-term, you know, kind of peace with where you're at and the plan you have in place and the choices you're making so that you're financially well. And how are we doing that? Like we've heard internally here that one third of Canadians, their mental health is being affected by interest rate hikes. And just the economy in general right now is, is kind of scary. Um, I'll call a spade a spade. So company-wide as a credit union, how are we helping with that? Yeah, your stats are right. I mean, it's actually it's actually worse than that in some ways, right? Like 78% of Canadians have some degree of financial vulnerability. And, and something like 25% of Canadians actually don't have liquid savings that could help them through three weeks. So 
you know, I think this is real. This is a significant issue. And so, you know, I, I grew up in, um, in roles that I was able to help folks with borrowing needs, and etc. And I was surprised how much is attached to money. Money's inanimate, but there's so much emotion and, and so many, so many things attached to money. It impacts relationships, your, your well-being, of course, as we've talked about, um, etc. And so how do you handle that? How do you get better at it? You need a coach, you need a guide. Like, this is hard to do on your own. There's so much information, there's so many choices, and there's lots of technical terms around yes. money, right? Yeah. And it's hard to navigate that on your own. I've got uh, young adult kids, and they're, they're trying to make their own choices. And, you know, we sit down and, ch- and chat about these things. But many people have either fear or shame attached to money and their situation. And those are very powerful human emotions. And it makes it hard to talk to people makes it hard to talk even to to friends or family perhaps and i think uh you know one of the things libra is really doing well is having an intentional conversation with folks that come and meet with us about what does financial freedom mean for you we have a little uh conversation that that many of our uh, employees have with owners around we call it a prosperity plan Mm -hmm. right what are your goals what's going on in your life and listening, understanding, and then helping you make some choices and get a plan together that will reduce your stress. Just having a plan reduces your stress. But you have to take that first step and, and find somebody you trust to have a chat about. It's it's so true. And I just really want to call out that here at Libro, staff are walking the talk. In the last episode, we were really focusing on home ownership. I just moved into a new house. Mm -hmm. And when we were getting into numbers, I was a little frustrated because I was like, I just need another 50 grand. Okay. Just, and like 50 grand over a 25 year amortization, that's a drop in a bucket biweekly on Mm -hmm. a mortgage payment. Right. And my HFA, my home financing advisor was like, Lindsay, no. So we move into the house and the first mortgage payment comes out. And then I said to myself, oh my gosh, that was not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. But that sense of relief and wiggle room to still go out for dinner as a family on a Friday or a Saturday night was huge. And I can honestly say that's the first time, this is my third mortgage in my third house, that was the first time I had that. And so the numbers matter and the discussions matter. And I know that can be challenging. We talk about fear and shame. Um, But these are real conversations that our coaches are having with folks, and that's what counts. So it's really nice to hear that coming from you from the top and trickling down. Mm -hmm. That's really, really great. Yeah, you know, I've had some amazing stories come back from owners, um, you know, things like, you've changed my life. And, And this is not in great big ways. It's, I have a plan, I'm handling my credit card debt, and I'm able to put, you know, uh, one of my ch- children in hockey or in a in a sport they wanted to be part of, and I wasn't able to do that before. Right. Uh, like these are, that's why we're here, mm-hmm. and it goes beyond individuals and families. Like there's financial resilience and financial well being for businesses, and there's elements that make that up. And we've got whole teams of people. Uh, we have a, a, a growing small business team as well. But but these folks are engaging with business owners, helping them think through not just today's needs, but also tomorrow's goals and dreams. And how do you set up a path and a plan 
that can make sure you're sustainable in the long run. And this is really, from my perspective, one of the ways that Libra is differentiating. When we talk about Libra differentiating, do you just mean in the financial sector overall or credit union wide? You have an extensive background with credit unions. This isn't your first rodeo. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people listening may not know, but we are part of what is called CCUA, Canadian Credit Union Association. We all work cohesively for the well-being of everyone. Um, how are your relationships changing how Libro is operating as a result of you coming from a credit union out West? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the ways that um, Libro is different, in, we do have a, a large agricultural book. We, we certainly have a long history here in this community. But as the world changes, you need scale and you need the ability to connect um, in, in with partners to, to aggregate certain things around investments in technology, for example, and building out innovation. So one of the things I've been able to do is connect with leaders across Canada. And just yesterday had some conversations with some executives across Canada around, are there ways we could work together, um, you know, to set up funding or an investment solution for businesses and farms and uh, ideas like that. Connecting dots on technology. We're l- working with large credit unions across Canada on some, you know, really neat innovation that I think will make a difference for our, our owners in the long run. So um, I think building my network and connecting um, credit unions across Canada is actually one of the cooperative principles, which is um, cooperation among cooperatives. And, and we're living that in real time. This leads me to my next question, and it might be a bit of a loaded one, so ye be warned. I want to talk about your vision for this company. Um, I feel like as a leader who has been here for a few months, you've kind of seen how things are going, but you have your own way of doing things. You are not Steve Bolton. And I want to talk about what you want to see when you look back in 20 years the, the stamp that you left on Libra. What's your vision for this credit union? So I certainly have a view. Um, I, I would offer that vision, though, is is co-owned, right? Our, our board, our owners, our staff, the organization all need to be part of it. Um, but happy to speak about some of the things that matter to me. We've touched on a few of them. Yeah. Uh, I, I was born and raised in an entrepreneurial family. I often say I'm an entrepreneur in a banker's box. Um, <laughs> and... And, you know, I, I have a real heart for uh, making sure that we have healthy economy, healthy businesses. And, and I think there's huge need there. I think there's an opportunity for Libra to re- really step up and be a partner, uh, not just another vendor for small businesses that are charging them fees. But when you make that shift to be a partner at the table, helping them prepare and design a plan for the long run, like that's game changing. Totally. And, and I think I think there's huge need across Canada um, for, for that. So I'd love to see Libro um, play a role there. I also um, believe Canadians deserve a values-based alternative to big banks and to big tech. And so staying true to our values approach to how we do business, a sustainable way to do business. We often say we make money by doing good, not the other way. You know, you don't just do some good things with the money you make. Right. Our whole purpose here to grow prosperity and, and to be anchored in um, choices and decisions that have the best interest of our owners and communities in mind for the long run. That includes all kinds of things beyond just short-term profit goals. So 
super uh, interested in continuing that journey. I think we need some scale. We need to find ways to grow in a, in a healthy, sustainable way and partner with organizations that are like-minded uh, across the country. So looking forward to building out some of that collaboration for sure. Um, it's a critical time, right? We've got so many things going on. Open banking and, um, and payments modernization changes the way you move money around. It changes the way you might have control over your own information and, and, um, and your own data. So making sure that we can transition our legacy of really knowing our owners and, and doing the right thing for our owners into a more digital world, um, I, I think is both a challenge and opportunity. And, and frankly, uh, super excited about that path for us. I'm glad that you said open banking because that was something I wanted to pick your brain on. Some people may hear open banking and not know what that means and what that means for Canadians because it's not here yet. Uh, the arrival is imminent. What are you hearing from your inside sources, if I can call them that, about open banking and when it will be a thing here in Canada? Yeah, so there's a there's a fairly public path uh, for open banking in Canada. There was open co consultation that's been going on and has just concluded, and so we're awaiting um, the government's direction on on where and how fast they want to start to implement it. This is not new, though, in terms of um, other countries. There's right. there's certainly examples in in Europe and Australia and other other places where um, open banking is live. Essentially, it's really I call it the democratization of, of um, data where, where you have control over how and where your information is used. And um, you see examples today where, you know, there's apps that are screen scraping information, trying to make it available and accessible to other, other providers. If you, if you deal with um, different vendors and you want to make your information available, this should really make your life simpler as a consumer. But, but banks have traditionally really had a vault around uh, your information and data, and, and it doesn't share very easily with other providers. And so uh, with open banking comes a flood of innovation and um, other opportunities for, for companies to help solve and, and ease some of the pain points we have with opening accounts and and re-entering all of your information multiple times. Um, and so it's coming. Uh, it will be done carefully and thoughtfully. Um, and uh, the regulators and government and industry all have a view about what's the right path and how fast. But uh, we are expecting uh, to hear more here before the end of the year. And I'm expecting that the first step will be taken next year. Amazing. It's exciting. It's mm -hmm. when I talk about a shift, it's like it's happening. You can feel it. Um, if you read anything on finances, it, everybody's talking about it. Yeah. I, you know, I think just uh, giving Canadians the choice about how their information is used and what value they get for um, in, return. in return for yeah. that is a huge step forward. That just can't come soon enough. Yes, completely yeah. agree. Listen, Sean, we're we're getting low on time, but you've been really a really good team player, if I can <laughs> say that, answering my questions and sitting here with me. Before we sign off, is there anything that you wanted to add? Like, this is your time. 
owner, non-owner, anybody who has stumbled upon the Money Made Better podcast, is there anything you want to say right now? You know, I, I would just say, let's chat. Come and talk to us. I, I think, um, without, almost without exception, people I talk to say, I had no idea that there was a, a different way to have a banking relationship, a different way to have these conversations. And they're so impressed, both with what we do, but also how we do it, right? Kind of the values, our, our purpose, our commitment to doing the right thing um, is often a surprise. So um, I'd encourage you to come and find out what we're all about. I love that. Sean, thank you very much for your time today. Looking forward to seeing where Libro goes in the coming weeks, months, years. Yeah, me too. Yeah, the Thanks. world is your oyster. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. If you've been enjoying this, don't forget, you can always hit subscribe. We would love that. New episodes coming out every single month. We will be back in the month of September, and I believe we are going to be talking about all things ag, which is kind of where Libro got its start in the agriculture sector. Uh, thank you once again. I've been your host, Lindsay Barnett. 